Good Chodesh. Today's daf is daf Lamed Aleph. Today is the 45th day of the Omer. Hayom Chamishov Arbim Yom Shem Shisha Shvot Shloisha Yomim Ba Omer. Regard today's Shir is Li'ili Nishmas Ben Sion Ben Zeev Avram Alevi. Yaakov Rabbi Cheskel, Maris Brian Abbas, Rabbi Eliezer, and Ruvain Ben Leib Idol, and also Esther Bas Yeshayahu Leib. May they have, may the Neshamas have an Aliyah. Today's shir is also for Rafur Shleima of Pesa Bas Shaina Bela. May she have a complete and speedy recovery. Okay, so we'll go from the second last line of Lamud. Lamed Amud Beis 30b. Um, we're going back to discuss the Kohanim's, the Tefillah of the Kohanim. So Omar Le'Abayel, Rabbi Yosef Abayel said to Rabbi Yosef, Tefillah Zu, this Tefillah that we say someone has to do before they go to into the temple courtyard. And Rashi says, according to Rabbi Yehuda, because remember, Rabbi Yehuda is the one who says that it is. Uh, this is all according to Rabbi Yehuda, who holds that it's only a mitzvah drabonon. If a person knows that they tahor, they don't really have to go to mikvah before going into the temple courtyard. And and we just make him do it in case to trigger his memory, in case he realizes that oh, actually he was Tomei. That's Rabbi Yehuda's reasoning. So Rashi says, so that's his question. This tefillah, which is only kind of to trigger his memory, it's not really because he needs to be going to mikvah. Do the laws of chatzitzah apply? Do the laws of having a, a separation between the water and his flesh apply if he has some dirt on his hands, etc.? So Omar Lay called the tikkun Rabbonin, came to Raisa tikkun. He answered him that all takonas de Rabbonin are modeled after the Doraisa mitzvah. So when the rabbis come along and say you have to go to mikvah, they mean that you have to go to mikvah the same as you would have to go if it was Doraisa. So by the fact that they tell you you have to go to mikvah before going into the temple courtyard, even though contrary to it's only Doraisa, you would have to wear, you would have to be careful that there are no chatzitzas, nothing stuck on your skin that would separate between your skin and the water. Um, Tossos ask, Tossos say actually, this question, so we learned this question according to Rabbi Yehuda, who says it's only Drabonon, but he says even a ben, according to Ben Zoyma, this question applies. And really, because according to Ben Zoyma, Ben Zoyma held a store rice, so you have to go to Mikvah before you go into the temple courtyard, but according to Tossos, that's only when you're actually going to do the temple service. When you just, let's say the coin just wants to go into the temple courtyard to observe, well then he doesn't have to um, go to mikveh do'araisa. So therefore, in that case, according to Ben Zoyme, would he have to be careful about chatzitzas for that, um, would he have to be careful about a in that case? When again, even according to Ben Zoma, that case would only be Drabodin. Then Tostas asks an interesting question. He says, We've, there are many times where it's only Tumah Drabodin and the rabbis expect you to go to Mikvah because it's as a rabbinic requirement. Why all of a sudden are we asking, does it matter if you have a Chatzitzah or not? And if someone, ta- in a certain cases of doubt and certain Gezeiras, 
We know um, liquid transmitting, tum, etc. All these halachas are only drabonin. We never ask by any of them, do you have to be careful by a chatzitza? Why all of a sudden by this tefillah that a kohen or a person goes to before going into the temple courtyard, are we asking this question of, doesn't matter if there's a chatzitza? So Tosfos answer very interesting. He says, because in all those cases, the reason the rabbis are saying you go to mikveh is because you tome. You might only be tome de rabbonin, but you're tome and therefore you have to go to mikveh. Whereas in this case, the person's tohor. There's just this rabbinic requirement, this gzaira de rabbonin, this takona de rabbonin, that he goes to mikveh. Tosas used the phrase, elamala ba'alma It's an extra level and an extra stringency. That he's doing. And therefore we ask the question. Okay so maybe a chatzitza doesn't really matter. But the answer was no it does matter. Because we say. Call the tikkun rabbonin ka'in do'ra Now Amar le'a ba'ya le'rab Yosef. A ba'ya said to Rabbi Yosef. Bia miksa shmei bia or lo. Does going into the temple partially. Is that considered entering the temple or not? Now Rashi points out there's a broad discussion in Maseches Vachim. Whether it's considered entering the temple. But for our, we're not getting into that discussion. The question here is whether, um, whether if someone only plans on just putting part of their body in the uh, temple courtyard, I doesn't plan to go in all the way. He just wants to reach his arm in and get something. Does he have to go to mikveh? Does he have to do this tefillah? And again, Rashi's learning this according to Rabbi Yehuda, the one who holds that it's only a rabbinic requirement. So he says, so that's what it says, Omalei, so Rabbi Yosef answered him, he says, Bohainos Yochiach, the thumb and the big toe of the Mitzvah will prove it, Shaheim Bia B'miktas, they only a partial entry, V'tanyan, we learned in Abraham, the Mitzvah Tovah for Omed B'Shanik Nikonor, a Mitzvah has to go to Mikvah before he stands in Nikonor gate. Remember we learned a Mitzvah granted on the seventh day of his purification, he went to Mikvah and he's Tahar, when he comes on the eighth day to put his hand, to bring his carbonos and he puts his hand and his leg into, he stands outside, but he puts his hand and his leg into the temple courtyard to get the blood of the Osham sprinkled on it, he has to go to mikveh before. What do we see? Never mind if you're walking all the way into the courtyard, but even if you're just putting part of your body into the mikveh, you would have to do tefillah. Now Tosfos again here ask an interesting question. They say, wait. How does this answer our question? I don't know if you remember yesterday we said according to Rabbi Yehuda, a Mitzorah does not have to go to Mikvah. Because he went last night, he went yesterday evening, he went to the Mikvah, so he's definitely Torah, so he doesn't have to go on the morning of his eighth day. So how can you bring from the Rabbanon who hold that a Mitzorah does to answer Rabbi Yehuda's question who holds according to Rabbi Yehuda where he doesn't? So the answer is no. If the rabbis, so, so Tostas explained, no. If the rabbis made this requirement for the Mitzorah, obviously someone who they hold, obviously Rabbi Yehuda would, who holds that any regular person has to go to Mikvah, then he would also have the requirement for a partial entry. And then it says, A person, so remember now, the coin doesn't have to shaft, and you also don't have to be standing in the temple courtyard to shaft. You theoretically could stand outside the temple courtyard, reach in, or here he's saying stay standing outside, just get a very long knife and do the shrita. He says, so can he do that? Can he stand 
not go to Mik- instead of going to mikvah and then walking into the temple courtyard and then doing the shkita, say, no, I don't feel like going to mikvah. I'll stand outside. I'll use my very long knife and I'll do the shkita while I'm standing outside. So does he have to go to mikvah to do the shkita? And he says, Tiboyle Ben Zoyma, Tiboyle Rabbon. And you can ask the question according to Ben Zoyma. And you can answer Tiboyle Rabbon and the Pligiol to review And you can ask the question according to the Rabbonin who are John Rabbi Yehuda, they held that the requirement is only by a Mitzorah because, so remember, Ben Zoma holds it's an obligation to Arisa to go to the mikveh before going into the temple, into the Beis Amigdash. And the Ramas who argue on Rabbi Yehuda held that no one has to go to mikveh if they know they Tahar before going into the Beis Amigdash except the Mitzorah because remember, a Mitzorah isn't careful. He's been Tomei for so long that he stopped being careful about the laws of Tumor. So we make him go to Mikvah. Those it says that now it's going to explain how the question fits upon to both of them. Maybe by Ben Zoma, we're not going to make this requirement on him when he's standing outside. I have this that he has to go to Mikvah only when he's actually going inside, but not when he's standing outside. Or Dilma, or perhaps I see Lam He might be drawn after his knife. Uh, he's going to start his shkita. The animal's going to step a little bit away, so he's going to like step in to get the animal or something to finish the shkita. You know, something like that. So therefore, there is this concern. So that's why it's a question according to Ben Zoma. And Tipoil Rabbonin, the Pligi Oleo, the Rabbi Yehuda. And it's also a question according to the Rabbonin who argued on Rabbi Yehuda. Ad kanlo kamri Rabbonin hosam elu tuloka avid avoida. There that the rabbi said a regular person doesn't have to go to mikveh before going into the temple is where they're not doing an avoida. Aval hachet dukar avid avoida lo. But here where he's not, do, where he's actually doing avoida, maybe it doesn't apply. I.e. They don't hold by their opinion and a regular person would have to go to mikveh. Maybe it makes no difference. Maybe they hold there's never a requirement of going to mikveh before going into the temple courtyard. And what does the Gemara answer? Teiku. It leaves it unresolved. So my guess would be, how would you pask in this case, just to look at it from an interesting thing? Well, first you have to determine whether you pask in like Ben Zoma or the Rabbon. And if you pask in like Ben Zoma, then the going into the, then it would be a Sofek Doraisa. Does he have to? I mean, this would only be, exa- uh, yeah, let's leave how to pask in, because it might only be Drabonin if you're standing outside, in case, yeah, it's a Drabonin in case you get drawn in. So Sofek Drabonin Lakula, you might get off with saying you don't have to do the tefillah. On the other hand, lechavchile you might still have to, and only b'liyemet it would be okay. Um, just one interesting question here. In the beginning of Chulin, there's a whole discussion of who can shecht. The beginning of Maseches Chulin. This is Tosfos' question, and one of them, Rav Papa, says a Tomei person can't shecht mukdashin. San, um, holy animals it says oh but he can use a long knife and he doesn't have to touch the korban etc so our papa says no the concern is you might touch the meat now why doesn't it say there you can't do it because you might be drawn after the animal and shechted in the base hamidash like here we said there might be a concern that if you're standing outside the temple and shechted in the korban you might walk into the base hamidash So he answers very interesting. He says, no, Tosus give a, almost a counterintuitive answer. When a person is definitely Tomei and he's standing outside the temple and reaching his long knife in to do the Shkita, he knows he's Tomei, so he's going to be very, very careful not to go into the Beis Amigdash. So therefore there's no concern that he might like 
step in to catch the animal or something like that or be drawn after the knife and step in because he is Tommy, so he is going to be very careful. But in our case, who are we discussing who's going to mikveh here? A Tahar person who has to go to mikveh before he goes into the Beis HaMikdash. So he's already Tahar. He's not going to be as careful to not go into the Beis HaMikdash. And that's why over here is there's that added consideration that he might um, step into the Beis HaMikdash. Okay, let's go on to the next part of the mission. It says, Now we're going into the Yom Kippur Avoidah. Taking a little bit of a detour. And now we're going back. And we said, so the coin Godel on Yom Kippur, he does five, he goes to the mikveh five times, and he sanctifies his hand and feet ten times. So he says, Rabon Kohen Godel The Kohen Godel does five mikvehs and ten sanctifications of his hand and feet on that day. The Kulan and all those tefillas, every time he goes to mikveh, he goes to the mikveh that's on top of base haparva, which is except for the, which is in the holy, it's counted as part of the temple courtyard, except for the first one shehoisabachol, which was on unsake, non-sacred land, al sharamaim on top of sharamaim, and also it was next to his chamber. So the first mikveh he does makes sense. He's like every other person who has to go to mikveh before going into the temple courtyard. The Kohen Godel goes into the mikveh that's not considered in Kodesh. It's Chol. And then he can go in. It's also next to where he says. Now Abaya points out an interesting... And all the others, the Postuk says it must be Kodesh. So those were all done Abay Saparfa, which had a level of sanctity similar to the temple courtyard. Then it says, Omar Abaya, Shmamina. I ain etam gavua mikarka as mikarka azora esrim v'sholosh amos. We can deduce from here that the spring of etam must have been at least um, uh, uh, more than twenty-three amos higher than the temple courtyard. Where does he get that from? So, firstly, just interesting. What's ain etam? So, ain etam is the spring that feeds this mikveh that's above shar hamayim, above the water gate. And remember, a spring has to flow down. It's not going to be able to flow up. And Rashi points out, interestingly, that when David was looking for the Mokom Migdash, they thought maybe Ein Eitam, the highest place, the highest place in Jerusalem. I'm not sure if it's the highest place in Eretz Israel, but at least the highest place in Jerusalem was the spring of Ein Eitam. However, the pasuk says, Bain, uh, no, the Shechina rests between the shoulders. The Shechina is not at the top, at the head. It's a little bit lower. It's at the shoulders. So Ein Eitam is the highest piece. A little bit lower was the Beis Amidash. And that spring fed this water, this mikveh. Now, that spring had to flow down. And Abai says, therefore, it must have been 23 Amos high. And he's going to prove that. Says the Tanan as we learned in the Mishnah, Kol Apsochim Shal Yisshom Gvoi Masar Amos Verachva Eser Amos. All the gates into the temple were twenty Amos high and ten Amos wide, approximately ten meters by five meters. Chutzmi Shal Ulam, except for the Ulam. The Ulam is the antechamber. The gate going into the Ulam was much much greater. It was 
40 amos high and 20 amos wide. The Tanya, and we learned in a Mishnah, in another Brisa, it says, Bamayim he must wash in water all his flesh. This is the laws of a mikvah. It says, Bamayim, it says, in the water, so it has to be Bamayim mikvah, the waters of a mikvah. Kol Mayim Kol water that his whole body can fit in. The Kamahin Amal Amma, Barom Gimel Amas, how much is one, how much, how big a mikvah do you need to fit a person in? So he says, an Amma by an Amma with the heart of three Ammas, Veshiru Chachomim, Mikvah Arbim Seya, and that's what the Chachomim say, that the mikvah holds 40 Seya. We actually touched on this a few Masechtas ago, remember, in Tzokim, with the complicated calculation of how we know what, how much a revise, the size of a revise, etc. But basically what we're saying is that how, how big does a mikveh have to be? Three amos ha by one amma squared. Now, therefore, remember this gate is going to be, the, the gate of Sharamayim is 20 amos tall. And now you need to put a mikveh that is three amos tall on top of that. So an atom to flow into that mikveh and fill it up must be at least 20, a little bit more than 23 amos high. Now the Gemara will come back to two interesting points on that, but the Gemara is going to challenge this. Firstly, it says, It says, what about the ceiling over the gate? I guess the lintel. The amma mazeva and the amma that would be the base of the mikveh. You have to make it... Uh, you have to have a thick base under the mikveh so that it doesn't uh, trickle, so that the water doesn't trickle through. So it should be 25 or something like that. So the Gemara answers, no. It says, no, the gates of the base Amidash were made of marble and then you can, therefore you can get away with a very thin amount. Right? The base, if you've got marble at the bottom, at, as the bottom of your mikveh, that's waterproof. So you don't have to have a thick base. It's waterproof. So you can have a very thin layer of marble. And once you have a very thin layer of marble, you don't need a thick, thick um, lintel or support over the gate because it's not as heavy above it. I mean, I imagine the water itself is quite heavy, but it doesn't seem to be such a concern. So you could get away with another thin slab of marble. So you actually don't need, you need a little bit more than Priyamas. So he says, oh, so, I buy, so there is this little bit. So Abaya said, the Ain Eta must have been at least 23 Amos and a little bit. Oh, why did he say just 23 Amos? He says, no, since it's not a full Amos, he doesn't bother um, mentioning it, considering it. So yeah, you're right. Ain Eta must have been a bit more than 23 Amos higher than the floor of the temple courtyard but he didn't bother saying a bit more than 23 amos because what like he just said 23 amos just two interesting questions that one is Tosos asks here he says one question is wait maybe who says we know that the volume of the mikveh has to be 40 sayah but the mikveh doesn't have to be three amos ha it could be three amos long and one amaha and the coin got all lies in it to go to the mikveh. He doesn't have to stand up in the mikveh. He can lie down. So maybe it was one amaha. How does he know that it was standing up? So he brings a very interesting principle. He says that, no, you've got to remember on Yom Kippur we have the coin Godel's fasting. And he's got a huge responsibility of doing the whole avoider. 
So we're going to do anything that causes him at least effort as possible. So we would rather have it that he just walks down standing into the mikvah and back out standing, than that he has to climb in, lie down, stand up and get out. So it's a less effort to go into a mikvah standing. And therefore, that's, the, that's how we can be sure that it must have been three amos high and not more than that. Um, in another question Tosfos asks is, what do you mean a person's three amos high? And I mean, he asked from another Gomorrah, but if you just think about it, according to the standard opinion, an amos, I think, 48 centimeters, so let's say 50, one and a half meters. Most people are a bit taller than one and a half meters. Okay, there might be a stricter opinion that it's almost double that, but that would be the that would be a question. Um, and secondly, Tosos asks, the Gomorrah in Baba Basra is discussing Hezekiah. I mean, the one pshat there is that's privacy. Your neighbor can insist on you putting a wall between his and your house because he wants the privacy. He doesn't want you just looking into his garden, into his courtyard. Then how hard does that wall have to be? For Amos. Which makes more sense. But again, Tosos asks, why here do we assume the heart of the person is three Amos so that he can go in? Um, so he says... Um, and so therefore Tosso say three Amos is actually up to a person's shoulder and obviously going to mikvah the person can just bend down a little firstly, firstly there's the displacement as he goes into the mikvah the water goes higher and if he just bends a little so that would be fine but he discusses, uh, he discusses it at length but let's leave uh, the, that point over there let's go on to the new Mishnah so the new Mishnah again going through the Avoidus, so we're still discussing, remember he's going to Mikvah for the first time just before he goes into the temple. He's on Shar HaMaim, so he says, Poshat Yorad Vatovel. He undresses, he goes down into the Mikvah and he does the Tefillah. All of an Istapeg, he gets up and he dries himself. And Heviuloi Big Day Zohov they bring him his golden clothes. And he wears them, the Kiddush Yodav Araklov, and then he sanctifies his hands and his feet. He washes his hands and feet in the cure. Remember, Big Day Zov, always referring to the regular eight clothes that the coin Godel wears, which include not only the linen pants, etc. It includes the breastplate, which had a lot of gold, the aphod, which was clipped with gold. It's part of a colorful, um, that sits the golden plate, and the me'il. That was the robe. Those were the four special garments that the Kohen Godel wore, as opposed to the basic four linen ones that he wore for the special Yom Kippur Avoida. So before he does the regular, so his first time he gets dressed in the morning, he's getting dressed in big days of the regular garments of the Kohen Godel. Just an interesting question. Why does it insist that he dries himself? Well, who said? Just get dressed. Why does he have to dry himself? So a few reasons are given for that. One is that... Um, in case there's dirt in the water, it might muddy his big day kahuna and make them messy. And you're not allowed to do that void in dirty clothes. Another possibility brought is that dirt is the water might act as a chatzitza between him and his clothes. The clothes have to rest directly on his skin, but if he's wet. But that's very difficult to say because we would generally not consider water a chatzitza. And then a I guess the third possibility, I don't know in my mind this would be the most obvious, is that let's say he goes into the mikvah and then there's a leaf or a dirt or something like that and it goes on his skin and then he puts his garments on, that would also be a chatzitza. Okay, so we've up to where he's dressed and he sanctifies his hand. Hey, 
Oh, sorry, I left out a piece. I left out the last piece. We mentioned when the Kohen Godel from just before the Mishnah, we'll come back to this Mishnah, but just before the Mishnah, we mentioned that the Kohen Godel wears, um, when he goes to Mikvah, they spread a linen cloth. So he says, My Why does it have to be linen? Why can't it be cotton? Why can't it be uh, some other material? Why, why specifically and white linen? No, just as Rav Kahana says that the next Mishnah that he uses this to remind him that it's Big Day Butz, so to here we do, he wears this to remind him that he's going to be doing, that it's the special avoider where some of it he will be wearing, the Big Day Butz, the pure linen clothes. So it's again this that you use specifically a white linen sheath to shield him from the people while he's getting dressed that's again to tr- remind him that he's doing a special avoider today and Tosos asks okay, I'm not going to go into the answer now but Tosos asks why, don't, why doesn't Rav Kahana teach us on our Mishnah that the purpose of the linen cloth is to remind him of the special avoider and leave it for the next Mishnah which is discussing his second filler to teach us why he has this linen cloth why, why did Rav Kahana wait there and not teach it straight on this Mishnah? Okay, straight on this first Mishnah, but that will, that, that's Tosas asked that question. And let's go back to our Mishnah. So we said that the Kohen Godel, okay, he undresses his re- from his regular clothes, he goes down into the mikveh, he dries himself, and he gets dressed in the big day Zohov, and then he washes his hands. His Havir Loisa Tomid, they bring in the Tomid, Kortso, he does Kritza. Kortso means he does most of the shechita. He shechts a majority of the wind pipe and a majority of the trachea. That's Kortso. Not a full shechita where he tries to shecht all of it, but just the start. Umarik athar shechitas al yodo. And a second call, and the shechita is finished through the hands of another kohen. Kibel es adam v'zolko. The kohen godol receives the blood and then goes and sprinkles it on the mizbeach. Nichnas lahakti katoires shel shachor lahitiv es aneirus ulahakti. It's just, sorry, let me slow down. It says, Nichnas, he goes into the temple, the Heichal, to offer the Ketores, of the morning, and to prepare the lamps for the menorah, and then he goes to offer the limbs, the, the head and the other limbs of the Korban Tomid, and the accompany the special, the Kohen Godel special Mincha offering called the Chavitin, and the wine libation, and he goes and he does that. On the, again this will be on the altar Mizbeach. It says, the katoires of the morning, the morning katoires, remember the incense offering was split in two, half in the morning and half in the afternoon, that was done between sprinkling the blood and offering the limbs. Shall bain abayim, the katoires that was born in, burnt in the afternoon, bain avorim lenesochim, was performed between putting the limbs on the altar, so he'd go put the limbs on the altar, and then before doing the accompanying libations, the minchen wine offering, he would go do the katoris, and then come back and do the nesachim. It says, If the kohen gadol was elderly or very sensitive, You could heat up water on Erev Yom Kippur and pour it into the mikveh. 
into the mikveh so that it removes the chill from the mikveh. Again, you've got to remember, if the spring water is flowing into this mikveh, into the mikvehs, they're going to be very cold. So if it's an elderly or sensitive coin goddle, you can pour some warm water in to warm up the mikveh. Okay, let's go back to analyze the first point of the Mishnah. The first point of the Mishnah again was that he removes his clothes, he goes into the mikveh, he gets, comes out and he dries himself and he gets dressed, and then he does a kiddush yadayim viraglayim. That's important, and we only mentioned he does kiddush yadayim viraglayim after getting dressed. He says, Amura Rabban and come to Rapapa. The students of Rapapa said to Rapapa, he says, Hoda loika Rebbe Meir. This does not fit with Rebbe Meir. To e Rebbe Meir, kivain to omatrei kidusha alavisha ovid lahu. Rebbe Meir says this, that there's two kidushin is going on, wearing the new garments. Hachanami levotrei kidusha alavisha. Well then, so too, where the first time the coin Godel gets dressed, he would wear, he would have to do Two kiddush yadayim v'raglayim. Basically, just, yeah, should have probably mentioned this first, but let's go back a step. In the next Mishnah, the Rabbanon hold that the Kohen Godel, he, remember the Kohen Godel's changing his clothes on Yom Kippur between his big day Zov, which he does for the regular Voidah, and his big day Butz, his linen garments, four linen garments, that he does the special Yom Kippur Voidah in. Now, when he's... So when he changes, according to the Rabbanon, what does he do? He goes and he sanctifies his hand and feet. Right? He washes them in the, by the kior. Then he removes his clothes, go to mikveh, gets dressed in the new clothes, and washes, sanctifies his hand and feet again. So you have a sanctification, undressing, mikveh dressing, and sanctification again. Rabbi Meir holds differently. Rabbi Meir says, no, he removes his clothes, then he sanctifies his hands. Then he goes to mikveh and he puts on his new clothes. Or, yeah, let me just check that's the right order. Yeah, Rabbi Meir holds, he first removes his clothes and then he does a sanctification of his hand and feet. And after getting dressed, he would do another sanctification of his hand and feet. So what the students are telling Rav Papa is that according to Rabbi Meir, it must be, why does, if he, remo- if he does the sanctification only after removing his, clothes he's currently wearing must be that both sanctifications are for getting dressed in new clothes. Again, according to the Rabbanon, the one sanctification is before you remove the old clothes or the, the clothes that he was currently wearing and then he does a new sanctification for the new big day kuhuna. Again, all big day kuhuna, this wouldn't apply to his regular weekday clothes. But according to Rabbi Meir, both um, both times he does Kiddush Yadayim are going on the wearing of the new clothes. So now according to the Rabbanon, it makes sense that the first time he's wearing his regular clothes, he just woke up, oh, he was up the whole night in Beis Aparp, in uh, remember the Queen Godel's chamber, and he, he was up the whole night, and then he goes, you know, not the Beis Aparp, but just, where was it? Was baseball. Okay, I don't remember. But he stayed up the whole night in his regu- regular clothes. Then in the morning he goes to mikveh and he gets dressed. And then he does a Kiddush Adam Raglam. That fits in very well with Rabbonin. According to Rabbi Meir, if both times you do Kiddush Adam Raglam are for putting on Big Day Kahuna, well then he should have, the Mishnah should have said he does two um, sanctifications of his hand and feet. So that's what the student saying, Al Mishnah, which says there's only one sanctification of the hands and feet, is not like Rabbi Meir, because Rabbi Meir says, 
both sanctifications are done for putting on new clothes. Well, in our mission, he's putting on new clothes. He's putting on the big days off. He should do two sanctifications. So the Omar Lahura Papa, Bainler Rabon and Bainler Rabbi Meir Chadab Shitta the big day Kodesh, Mechadah Levish. He says, no, both Rabon and Rabbi Meir hold. The one is on removing the clothes and the one is on putting on the new clothes. And what they're arguing is actually how you understand the connection because there's two psukim. The one says Aaron will come into the holies. Uposhat big day habad. He will remove his linen garments. And which he the linen garments he wore into the kodesh and he will leave them there. The rochat says besorah b'mayim and he will wash his flesh in water b'mokom kodesh. The lavash says begadov v'yotzov v'os etc. And then he will put on his new clothes etc. Now it connects uposhat v'rochat v'lavash. He removes, he washes, and he wears. Rabbi Meir holds the getting undressed is connected to the getting dressed. Just as when he's getting dressed, which is what it discusses, he first puts on the clothes and then gets dressed and then washes his hand. So to here, he removes his clothes and then washes his hands. Ah, you do the action with the clothes, whether it's getting dressed or undressed first. For no, you do connect the undress to the undressing to the getting dressed, but just in a different way. He says, Just as when he's getting dressed, he only sanctifies his hand and feet when he is dressed. I get dressed first, and then he sanctifies his hand and feet. Well, so to the undressing, he sanctifies his hand and feet when he's dressed, so he'll get undressed later. So again, interest of both, according to Rav Papa, Rebbe Man Rabbonon are just arguing in how you connect the getting dressed to the getting undressed. Rebbe Meir says the key point is that you first do the dressing part, whether it's getting dressed and undressed, and then you do the Kiddush Adayim Baraglayim. Whereas the Rabbonon old no, just as for the getting dressed, you're in a state of dress and then you wash your hands. So too for the undress, you're in a state of dress, you wash your hands and then you'll get undressed. It says, said to Rabbonne, you can't actually say this, that Rebbe Meir holds you require um, the Tilas Yadayim for getting undressed, Kiddush Yadayim Viraglayim for getting undressed. It says, for Hotanya, we learned in a Brisa, they spread a linen cloth between him and the people. He undresses, he goes down into the mikvah. And he goes into the mikvah. He gets out of the mikvah and he dries himself. They bring him his Big day Zov, and he gets dressed, and he sanctifies his hands. That's a Tanakama. Rebbe Meir Omer, this is the important one for us. Rebbe Meir Omer, Poshat V'Kiddish Yodav V'Raglov, V'Yorad V'Tovol. He sanctifies his, he undresses himself. He sanctifies his hand and his feet. He goes down to Mikvah. All of an Istapek, he gets up and he dries himself. Havi'ulay Big day Zov, V'Lovash V'Kiddish Yodav V'Raglov. And he sanctifies his hands. What do we see Rabbi Meir said? Again, this is the first mikvah where the Kohen Gadol is not wearing his big day kodesh. He's wearing regular clothes and he's going to mikvah. Rabbi Meir says he still does two kiddush yadayim v'raglayim. We see that the kiddush yadayim v'raglayim must be going on putting on new clothes according to Rabbi Meir. 
says, Omalahui, Tanya, Tanya, Rafa says, well, if it's a brisa, then I can't argue on a brisa, and that's how it must be taught. So, um, yeah, so he says, Oh, well now, according to Rabbi Meir, we see why you have ten sanctifications. Remember, as we said in our Mishnah, there's ten sanctifications and five tefillahs. According to Rabbi Meir, it makes sense. Every time he's going to put on a new garment, he does two levishas. So the first time, as he wakes up in the morning, he's going to put on big days off, he does two um, two kiddush shetayim v'raglaim, and the other four times when he's changing his clothes, he's also going to do two kiddush shetayim. So that's ten. Ella the rabbanon tishav There's only nine because there's our case of where he's getting dressed in the morning. He doesn't do what he only does one kiddush shetayim v'raglaim on removing his uh, for getting into clothes, but he doesn't do one for removing his clothes because he's not removing big day kuna. So Omri lechor rabbanon the rabbis will say to you. Kidusha Basra Kiposhit Big Day Kodesh for Love Day Big Day Hall Ovid Lay Hosom. He says, No, according to the rabbis, he does an extra Kirusha Dambraklaim when he removes his clothes at the end of the Avoida to later on on Yom Kippur. I again, according to the rabbi, yeah, so it comes out as follows Rebbe Meir, the Kohen Godel does two Kirusha Dambraklaim for putting on his new clothes, but none for removing his clothes. So again, the first filler in the morning, even though he's not taking off regular, he's only taking off regular clothes since he's getting dressed in big day kuna, he does two kiddush etayim And so too with each subsequent, when he changes his clothes, every time he's putting on new big day kuna, he does two kiddush etayim and that's how you get ten. According to Rabbonin, there's one sanctification of your hand and feet for removing the big day kuna, and one sanctification for the putting on the new big day kuna. So the first one in the morning, there's only one sanctification because he's not removing big day kuna, he's removing his pajamas. And he's putting on big day kuna. So there's only one sanctification. Obviously, then the next four, there will be two each because it's removing his clothes and putting on the gold and putting on the linen, then removing the linen, putting on the gold, etc. So there you're up to nine. And then the last one, when he takes off his clothes at the, the big day kahuna at the end of the day, after doing the entire Yom Kippur Avoida, he would, according to the Rabbonin, he would also do one because you do one Kiddush Adayim before you remove big day kahuna. So that's how you end up with ten, both according to Rabbonin, and we'll leave it there for today.